Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Mike Grauber. I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer, and we'll start by giving you a brief market overview. There is a saying in the investment world that time in the market beats market timing. It comes from the observation that if one is not invested on the best days for the market, it is hardly possible to perform in line with the market. Yesterday may well have been one of those days. So what has happened? U.S. equities soared with the Nasdaq rising 7.4% and the S&P 500 up 5.5%, both posting their biggest daily advance in over two years. The rally was triggered by a cooler-than-expected inflation report that was seen as giving an opening to the U.S. Federal Reserve to slow the pace of interest rate hikes. Specifically, inflation in October rose 0.4%, much lower than the expected rise of 0.6%. The year-on-year rise in inflation of 7.7% was the lowest since January. Other asset classes also saw strong moves. Bond yields plunged with the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield dropping nearly 30 basis points on the day to 3.82% as of this morning. The Bloomberg Dollar Index weakened by 2%, the sharpest daily drop since at least March 2020. Gold also saw a strong bid, moving about $1,760. U.S. Carson Menke will give further thoughts on gold in a minute. Global equity markets participated in the rally in equities. The Eurostox 50 index ended the day up over 3%. Japan's Nikkei is also up 3%, and the Hang Seng index in Hong Kong is rising 7%. In Asian trading, stocks are also getting a boost from reports that China has reduced the amount of time travelers and close contacts of infected people must spend in quarantine. And our research in Asia notes this morning that the Politburo Standing Committee statement last evening shows a subtle shift in its stance towards the pandemic. While zero-COVID policy was reiterated, more emphasis was put on targeted and scientific implementation, as well as drugs and vaccines. Oil is up on the China and U.S. inflation news. Brent oil is rising nearly $2 to over $95 a barrel this morning. Coming to crypto, It is being caught between the collapse of the crypto platform FTX and the positive news of less monetary headwinds. Authorities in the Bahamas, where FTX is based, said they froze the assets of its local trading subsidiary and related parties. And this morning, BlockFi, a crypto lending platform, said it will limit client withdrawals. After rebounding somewhat, Ethereum is lower again today, trading at $1,260 when I last looked. It started the week at over 1600 US dollars. In terms of economic data releases today, it was reported a few minutes ago that the UK economy contracted a less than expected 0.2% in Q3. Expectations were for a drop of 0.5%. And in the US, the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index is on the agenda, which captures the mood and inflation expectations of Americans. So an interesting set of figures following yesterday's U.S. inflation report. Please note that the U.S. fixed income markets are closed due to Veterans Day today, but equity markets are open. 
Currently, US and European equity futures are pointing towards a follow-up on yesterday's rally, with both firmly in the green. This is all on the markets wrap today. And now I'm pleased to hand over to Carsten Menke, head of Next Generation Research, with his thoughts on gold. Good morning, Carsten. Yes, good morning. Thank you very much, Mike. So, as we all know, a lot of pressure has been building in the gold market this year, right? So, the market has totally dismissed uh, rapidly rising inflation, which we believe is for good reason, and instead focused on tightening US monetary policy, a stronger US dollar, and higher bond yields. So, quite often this year, we have really referred to the dominance of the dollar when uh, talking about the gold market. Many investors have left the market with holdings of physically backed gold products down the most since the bear market of 2012-2015 and the market mood has become uh, more and more bearish. Part of this pressure has actually escaped this week. So gold and silver are up around 8.5% and 15% from the weekly lows, reflecting a rolling over of the US dollar, which resulted in a massive wave of short covering among speculative traders in the futures market. If we look back, such sharp moves are almost always a consequence of position squaring in the futures market rather than a change in fundamentals. So what happened? Well, many traders were caught on the wrong foot. They were still positioned for a weaker US dollar, uh, for a stronger US dollar, apologies, and even higher US bond yields. But with a weaker than expected CPI, uh, as you mentioned, Mike, uh, they had to square their positions. So this was certainly a week to remember for gold, but also for silver, as I said. Um, however, we don't see it as the starting point of a longer lasting up move for the metals. Why is that? Well, first, while the US dollar has likely peaked, it should stay strong, at least in the short term, as the Federal Reserve continues to tighten monetary policy, even though not as fast or as aggressive as initially feared. Second, there have been no signs of bottom fishing by investors, and we believe a major move back into the gold market is unlikely unless the US economy slips into recession. Instead, we expect a further fading of safe haven demand going forward. Third, a reversal of the positioning of speculative traders in the futures market is short-lived and temporary by nature. So all in all, we now see gold trading at the upper end of a fundamentally justified range and maintain our neutral view. And the same basically also applies to silver. Thanks a lot, Mike, and back to you. Thank you very much, Karsten. And now, with most companies having reported Q3 earnings, I very much welcome Philipp Lienhardt, Head of Equity Research, to talk what has been most notable this earnings season. Over to you, Philipp. Thank you, Mike, and good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me on the call. Yes, the earnings season is almost over, and here are some noteworthy takeaways across selected industries. Let's start with the energy sector here. Q3 results were mostly better than expected, but below the Q2 results that were really outstanding. Dividends and buybacks are still moving up and will probably be peaking over the next two quarters. In terms of valuations, uh, we see in the US, uh, stocks are trading near their long-term average, while in Europe, the oil and gas stocks uh, still have very attractive valuations. Lastly, we also see no change in a capital discipline at majors, as well as the US uh, exploration and production companies. Moving on to industrials, in the capital goods space, order intake is still solid and record high backlogs continue. However, there is probably some deceleration. Operating profit was solid 
as price increases more than offset raw material cost inflation. The question mark is if price increases stick or if the capital goods companies will have to give back some of those increases in case input costs decline. By end market, aerospace recovered strongly, automotive was improving, residential construction is slowing, but construction elsewhere is still better than expected. And by regions, the US market remains surprisingly strong, China is weak, and Europe is mixed. In terms of valuations, they have come down versus 2021, trading below the long-term average, although earnings forecast for 2023 are likely still too high. Moving on to transport, sea and air freight rates are falling sharply, but are still above pre-COVID-19 levels. 2022 guidance was generally confirmed. Valuations here remains attractive as well, in some cases trading at all-time lows, but investors are concerned about the recession or the potential recession in 2023 and that earnings forecasts are still too high. Moving on to utilities, results were in line with expectations despite higher margin or collateral requirements as a result of higher power prices. Russian gas supply replacement seems largely de-risked and there's moderate impact from project delays due to supply chain issues. Overall, high interest rates continue to be a driver in this space as well. And if interest rates would peak, this would obviously be a positive. Moving on to digital advertisers, weak earnings were reported here as cost and capex reduction will take time to have an impact and currency headwinds were underestimated. Underlying year-on-year -year revenue trends seem to have bottomed, but consensus estimates may still be somewhat high for the fourth quarter as well as for next year. Valuations are attractive, but earnings estimates and or the macro picture, of course, need to find a bottom. In the automotive space, we had solid results broadly in line with expectations and full year guidance was generally confirmed. Supply chain issues continue to gradually ease, but won't return to normal level before mid-2023. Raw material costs are declining from the peak they have seen in the second quarter. Shares of automotive companies are generally pricing in a recession, so attraction there if the recession is not coming. In the IT space, first on software, CapEx spending by enterprises are clearly deteriorating as investments are delayed. Cloud penetration is still ongoing, of course, but it's slowing down. We have seen growth rates of over 50%, and this is probably coming down next year to closer to 20 to 25%. In the semi and semi-equipment space, we see a clear deceleration and negative growth in smartphone, PC, notebook, server, and printers, making up about 60% of the total semi-market. A deceleration in cloud capex could also derail uh, further investments there. The automotive space is holding up as an end market for semiconductors, but this represents about 10% of the overall market. And lastly, the U.S. export ban into China was quite a surprise to many investors. The semi-equipment industry generates about 30% of total sales in China. Moving on to the large cap pharma space, here we had stable growth. Most companies slightly beat estimates. Maybe something to highlight as well as COVID-related names all widely beat uh, sales of as antibodies, vaccine, antivirals, and tests, and so on, continue to be strong. Large cap pharma continued its year-to-day trend of outperforming 
notwithstanding, of course, the rally we have seen yesterday. But valuation remains reasonable and we still see upside. Moving on to the luxury goods space, demand for luxury remains strong, no issue with pricing and margin are stable or higher. Valuation are generally still attractive. In the food and beverage space, we see demand is starting to react to price increases. The only space where this still works well is in the spirits space, while, for example, beer declined. Margins are under pressure across the board, except for spirits. Outlook statements are generally cautious, and valuations are not necessarily very attractive. And last but not least, on the banks, all banks reported, or most banks at least, reported solid beats, primarily on stronger net interest income growth, usually driven by stronger deposit margin improvements. Most banks came out with an upgraded outlook for next year's earnings, thanks to a further upward shift of the yield curve. Credit loss trends remained benign in the quarter, with no material deterioration of credit quality. Guidance is for an uptick of loan losses by next year, but to remain in the range of normalized levels. And for European banks, share buybacks are continuing at discounted tangible book values, hence are highly value accretive with the majority of banks carrying forward excess capital. So there's still plenty more I could talk about, but I've covered a lot of ground here and I hope this gives you some important insights to use in your investment decisions. And with this, I hand back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Philip, for a very comprehensive overview. But this concludes today's podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. What will the cities of the future look like? What kind of vehicles will fill our streets? Think Tank is a monthly podcast where Julius Bear experts look further ahead into the future. We aim to capture the world's biggest longer term themes and put them into context for investors. Search for Think Tank on your favorite podcast player.